So today is Veterans Day. We want to recognize our veterans this morning with us. And so we're going to try a little video clip here to start things off. And let's pray it works. And then we'll see where we go from there. The eleventh hour does not strike on the clock of every man. For at this time, most of us can be found at home, comfortable, knowing tomorrow is right on its way. At the eleventh hour, most of us can be found in our beds. But in another world, our men and our women, our brothers and our sisters live in this hour. Tick, 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 tick. Every second for you. Every second for me. So it was on the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month of 1918. The guns were lowered. The trenches grew silent. And an armistice was declared between the Allied nations and Germany. The Great War hushed so that the wives, the children, the fathers and the mothers could salute back across the ocean. And it is on this day each year that we have stopped to salute our veterans, our men and women of the 11th hour. So today, it's our turn. It's our turn to show our gratitude it's our turn to applaud when they stand. It's our turn to thank God for you. Yes, it's our turn to say thank you for going in our stay. you've served in the military, I'd like to ask you to stand at this time. It's our turn to say thank you. You may be seated. It's because of men and women like you that we have the freedom to be here today and do exactly what we're doing. We, there's a lot of places in the world where our brothers and sisters in Christ do not have this freedom. And it's important that we understand our history, young folks, because apart from sacrifice, there is no freedom. That's at the very heart of the message of the cross. If Jesus Christ does not sacrifice Himself for us, we do not have freedom. We do not have eternal life apart from 
His shed blood. And so we want to honor you today. We thank you today uh, for that sacrifice, for the freedoms that you've afforded us in this country, and for the men and women that continue to serve today. Thank you. Um, and even now, and that's why it's important that we continue to hold them in prayer and, uh, and ask that on a day like today, especially, that we will uh, take time to thank the Lord um, for our military men and women. So keep that close in your prayers. With that said, I want, to, I want us to focus on this subject and, and relate to it as I just kind of communicated in regards to the cross because whether you know it or not, Scripture refers to every one of us that are here this morning that are professed believers in Jesus Christ. You're enlisted. The Bible says you're a soldier. Well, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, you got drafted. All right? Because uh, God has called you to Himself. And as a soldier of Christ, there are certain things that I... I think we need uh, to be reminded of our mission and given our marching orders. And so I want us to talk about that. Take your Bibles. Let's go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, 2, 1 through 4. And again, Paul is writing here to a young pastor, and he's trying to encourage him. He's trying to tell him, hey, man, don't forget your mission. Now, here's, here's what we need of you. As a young soldier, you need to remember these things. And so we kind of pick up in the, in the middle of this letter and the thought here. And, and so as you turn... Uh, I want us to, to focus on this passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and following. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Father, I pray this morning that you will give me clarity of thought, that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit, that the heart of every listener here would be open and receptive to what the Spirit has to say. I pray that you be our teacher, and I pray that Jesus Christ be lifted high. In his name we pray. Amen. Three points this morning. And I will be brief about it. Translation, uh, you'll get out of here when I'm done. <laughs> but be strong in grace, amen? Notice the first point here in this portion of Scripture. Again, Paul is writing to a young Timothy, and he's pastoring a church. And again, he, he recognizes the, the great responsibility that he's going to carry as a shepherd of, of the flock, entrusted to the watch care of souls. And he says, be strong. Be strong in grace. You know, I'm afraid too often times we as Christians, we go at this world, we go at our daily task, we go at whatever we face, and let's just be honest, sometimes we seek to do it in our own strength. And when we do that, we end up 
oftentimes wearing down, burning out. And again, we, we're all guilty at any given time. But he says here in his instructions, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here's an awesome message, guys. Everything you need for this life has been given to you. Everything you need to complete the mission, to be victorious, to be successful, you already have. Whether I believe it's true or not is irrelevant. It's true. Because we know Christ has already defeated death. He's already defeated hell. He's already rose from the grave victorious. And we know that He's promised He's returning one day. And He who is an overcomer has promised you who are overcomers that one day you too will experience the glory of victory. We have that promise. And too often times, again, guilty as anyone else, we suffer in the battle, not realizing we already have the victory. But the answer that you and I need, the encouragement that you and I need this morning, is that we need to be strong, not in ourselves. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 reminds us of this. For by grace have you been saved. For by grace have you been saved. Not of works, right? It's, this is a gift that God has given to us. God has given us a gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. So it's not of works, lest anyone should boast about it, brag about it. We understand that when it comes to our salvation. We understand that we can't add to. We understand that we can't do any better. We can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps to get to glory. We understand that in salvation, but we struggle in our daily life to understand this. But the promise is still the same. The truth is still the same. And so Christian soldier this morning, I don't know what you're facing, but I want to encourage you just as Paul encouraged Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God's might. Turn with me if you would. Let's go over to uh, Ephesians. Ephesians. You know this saying, if you want to know where Ephesians is in the New Testament, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Just wait till the sermon's done. Ephesians. And let's look at chapter 6. Again, Paul writing here, and, and many of us know this, we learned this passage early on, and we recognize that Again, we are in a spiritual battle. We talked about this in our previous message that where we talked about suffering. And we shouldn't, you know, shouldn't count it strange when we suffer. That's, that's part of life. That's part of the Christian life. We should expect that. It just kind of comes with the territory. And notice what he says in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord. Since a pattern in Paul's writing, since a solution in Paul's writing, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not my might. Not by my strength. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. See, our problem is too often times we just put on part of the armor. Now, when Paul's writing this, he's in house arrest. 
And he's chained up to a Roman soldier. And no doubt as he's writing this, maybe at this point, this soldier's standing over at the doorway, guarding the door, and he's checking out the, the fancy garb. You know, because they, the, they were the elite military of the day. They had all the lights, bells, and whistles, man, when it came to military. They were the strong force. And so he's seeing this, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's pinning down and illustrating this physical into the spiritual realm. And he's saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Let me stop for a second. He says, look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we forget this oftentimes. We really do. Again, guilty party. It's real easy for me sometimes to project the animos towards a person. But this scripture reminds you and me, it's not the person. It's the principality behind them. That's what's stirring up the strife. That's what's causing the problem in this world. Because there's a real enemy of our soul. And Paul wants us to focus and realize that, guys, don't lose sight of this. If it were flesh and blood, he could walk up and punch it in his nose. Don't recommend that. But he's making the illustration, making the point. This is, you're not going to win that way. Your warfare is not by, by that attack against one another. It's the spiritual forces behind it all. As believers, we must understand this. And we must be strong in the Lord in order to combat the problems that often arise in our daily living. Strife, whether it's our family, whether it's our church family, whether it's at work with co-workers, whether it's with neighbors. I mean, again, I'm just being real practical here in, in the message this morning. Our battle's not flesh and blood. It's principalities. Look, even Peter, we cite this oftentimes. You remember one minute he's saying, Jesus is asking, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the, the Son of the living God. He says, ah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has made this clear. And then a few minutes later he says, when Jesus says, I must go into Jerusalem, be betrayed, be murdered, be buried, rise again. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll not let you die. I'll fight to your death. I'll fight to the death for you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Good intentions. Meant well, Peter. But it was the principality behind him. It was the very voice of Satan trying to seek and thwart uh, God's plan, to try and thwart God's plan. And so it's important that oftentimes that we must kind of step back to, to kind of focus and think, you know, wait a minute. These battles, these problems, these woes, whatever it is you're battling with, it's not flesh, it's principalities. Now, yes, we battle in this flesh in that sense, but let's see with spiritual eyes. That's the battle we're in. And the answer to the battle we're in 
is not punch them in the nose, though we might feel like it. It's, tear off your microphone. The answer is, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And as soldiers, we must recognize that. We must recognize that as we continue to carry out the mission that God has called us to, we must be strong in His grace. We must put on the whole armor of God. He continues on there in that passage. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Guys, we're never going to make it in this world apart from truth. You want to know how? Again, what do you mean, Pastor, when you say, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? How, 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 I mean, like, like, what does that really mean? Like, what does that really look like? What do you mean put on the whole armor of God? Well, again, he's giving you the answer here. What is the armor of God? Gird your waist with truth. Again, those belts of, uh, that those soldiers would wear kind of held everything together. All of the armor would be held together by that. Guys, what's going to hold it together is the truth of God's Word. If you do not understand the truth of God's Word in the context in which it's given then you will be easily defeated as you go through the battle that we're in. And be clear, we're in a battle. All of us are in a battle. And so truth is very important. And this is why your pastors preach and, 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 and try to exhort, sometimes more than you like, to get in the Word of God, to let the Word of God get into you. Not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. That's where it's hard. That's where it's tough. That's where it really plays out. And we provide a lot of opportunities for you to get in the Word. And the Word to get into you. And if you choose to skip the meals, is it any wonder you're hungry? Be strong. Stand. Gird yourself, gird your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Christ provides your righteousness. You're not going to stand before God in the good deeds you've done and how often you've done good work at the church and, well, I volunteer for this and I did that. and I, You know what? Guys, you understand this truth. Your righteousness, my righteousness, is filthy rags apart from Christ. Rest in the righteous deeds that Christ has given you. So put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere my feet go, my body seems to follow. It's doing it again. What's happening here? Stop it. Oh, I guess since my feet are going this way, I might as well shot them with the peace. In other words, translation, bring the gospel. I'm going to bring the gospel. Praise the Lord. Yesterday, my feet brought me to a flag football game, upward, out in Goldsboro. Again, I long, Lord willing, one day to be able to see the hundreds of people that were gathered out there. And we're not trying to take from them, but, but in another time, another season, be able to offer that same type of ministry out here. Many of you have kids that you've seen grow up, and you go every Saturday in soccer and baseball. Look, nobody knows better than the preacher what sports ministry has done to the church. Put a lot of families away. Good thing, not best thing. 
And I'm not downing sports. I love sports. My home, you know this about us. But what we desire to do is bring sports ministry as a platform for the greater good for what's best. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm not angry or mad at you know, travel leagues. Uh, well, maybe I am a little. Because they do pull the families away from the church. But I want us as a body of believers to recognize I mean, what a great opportunity for us as a body of believers to meet the world where they are with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To provide a platform in sharing the good news. We've got that opportunity. I'm reminded of Christ's words, the, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. Pastor Nate reminded us this morning in prayer time of the deacons. It's not the field we're worried about now. We've, we've got a little movement on the field. It's the workers. We're going to need coaches. We're going to need moms and dads willing to sacrifice the status of the big leagues for the ministry leagues. That's the sacrifice you have to make. I make it for my family. You have to make it for your family. But why wouldn't we? The gospel of Christ is worth that. And wherever my feet take me, and again, regardless, if you're in the, if you're in the travel leagues, if you're in the sports leagues that are out there, take the gospel with you. Be salt and light wherever your feet go. And that's what Paul is telling. Uh, he's writing here, he's saying to those believers, look, Shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now these Roman soldiers had these uh, different types of shields that they would carry into battle. And one of the types of shields that they would have oftentimes when there would be a, a big troop of them, when they would come up against other militaries shooting fiery darts at them, they would assemble together taking these big shields that were almost like doors, and they would pull them together so that literally you would have walls all the way around you, and others would, would kneel, and they would put them up above their head. And so you would almost have this enclosed box. And so when these fiery darts came in, they would stick into the shields, remove them, and they'd be able to march forward. Collectively, working together as one to defend with the shield. And Paul is saying, same thing, Christian. You're going to get shot at. The enemy's going to shoot fiery darts at you. And you know where they hit? Bing! I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he'd have the audacity to do such a thing. That pastor didn't even shake my hand. Whatever. We all get hit in the thought life. That's where the battlefield is. It's in the mind, Christian. That's why our weapon is not carnal. Our weapon is spiritual in that it says bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So what are my truths in Scripture? Love thinks no wrong. Oh man, I struggle with that. Guys, I struggled with that this week. I had bad thoughts through, to, towards some of you. I'm just saying, I'm being honest. Don't throw rocks at me. Ask Pastor Nate. No, don't ask Pastor Nate. I've been pretty good to him this week. It was, it was an emotional... Do you know your pastor has emotional highs and lows too? You didn't know that, did you? Yeah, you did. You can tell by my preaching. 
But you know what helps me? And when I get in those moments, and I get in those moments, I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not seeing this with spiritual eyes. Help me see it through your lens. Shield of faith. Boom! Block that one. Thank you, Jesus. Because I wasn't blocking it. But I followed the truth that I knew about Scripture. And I applied it in the situation. I didn't the, you know, the time before. That's why I failed. That's why I messed up. That's why I got bombarded with the fiery darts. And that's why I got fleshly in my appetite and wanted to punch somebody. It's a good thing Nate kept his distance. <laughs> Shield of faith quenches the fiery darts. How do we be strong in grace? We're strong in grace by putting on the whole armor of God. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's why he says, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which will you will be able to quench some of the fiery darts of the wicked one? Is that what it says? No, it says you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Can God lie? No. He has just given me and you a promise that if we will take the shield of faith, we will, we will be able to stop every fiery dart that the wicked one shoots at us. That's a biblical truth. The hearing and heeding is where I struggle. That's where we struggle. But the solution's there. The remedy is there. The answer is there. The tools that you and I need as soldiers are there to finish the mission, to complete the battle. God has given us the victory in Christ. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, the helmet of salvation. Most people, when I deal in counseling, one of the early things we hit early on, obviously one of the first things is the gospel. Because if they're not saved, then, then none of this makes sense. The natural man doesn't discern the things of the Spirit. But as believers, even we struggle with this. And oftentimes, the problem I run into in counseling with folks is there's some insecurity about their salvation. They're not certain about their salvation. And so the helmet of salvation is vital because if I understand where the battlefield takes place in the mind, if I understand in my mind that I am saved, I am sealed until the day of redemption, Christ paid it all to all, all to Him I owe, then that helps me bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And so we take the helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit is our weapon. It's the only weapon here in the list. And again, what is our weapon? The Word of God. That's your weapon, Christian. Now be careful how you wield the sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. We must be careful that our words are seasoned with grace. We must make sure that we're properly interpreting Scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth so that it is applied as a salve. And sometimes it does cut. Sometimes it's intended to cut. But we must do so in the strength and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Prayer. The most neglected tool that you and I have. Prayer. 
hey, let's make a push between now and the end of the year. We're talking about our goal, our financial goal. Let's make another goal. Let's make a goal that between now and the end of the year, let's me and you spend quality time in prayer. There's a goal. Let's me and you get alone on the mountaintops, uh, 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 metaphorically speaking. Hey, if you want to take a trip to Asheville, my in-laws will be glad to have you, I'm sure. See them after the service. But we, we sometimes need to get along with God. Seek Him earnestly. Sometimes we need a little rest from the battle. God understands that. And if you need that, take that. Be strong in the grace. Not in yourselves. In God's might. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Guys, we've got to pray for one another. Just like taking those shields, those soldiers looked out for each other. They had each other's back. We need each other's back. We need to pray for one another. We, we need to have each other's back. The enemy's shooting darts at this church, and even more so as we get blessings like we just had. Moving forward in ministry, you're going to always face opposition when you're moving forward. So we need to be ready. Soldiers, we need to be ready. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so if you want to know how to raise your shield of faith, again, the Word of God is how you increase your faith. So be strong in grace. Then we notice uh, back in our text in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy, if you go back over there, you'll see here his next imperative, his next instruction to young Timothy. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Commit to faithful men. What? What are we to commit? What's the marching orders? What's the instructions? Commander-in-chief, what, what, what do you want, Lord? What do you want me to do? How do I, what, what do I need to commit to faithful men? These things that you heard from me is what Paul's saying. You and I have clear instructions here. Christian, you want to know what your marching orders are? Here they are. Doctrine. That's the first one. We talked about this Wednesday night. By the way, love to see you on Wednesday night. Love to see you on Wednesday night. Great opportunity, again, to sit at the table and dine on God's Word. It's a great opportunity. I promise you this. You will be built up in the Word of God when the Word of God is opened on Wednesday nights. Because God said His Word will not return void. It will accomplish that which is sent forth to do. And guess what? We talk about the Word of God every Wednesday night. Come build your faith. Doctrine is important. We talked about this. Acts 2.42 talks about... Um, let's look at it. Let's read it in its context there. Again, you know the early church, day of Pentecost is happening. Um, the Spirit of God has been poured out. Peter's the one there teaching, preaching. He raises his voice to the crowd and he preaches a solid Repent and believe gospel message. 
And the God adds 3,000 souls to the church that day. They get saved. Folks are like just cut to the heart. What do I got to do to be saved? And all of a sudden, all these people are, are coming into the group of believers and, and being added to the church. And then we see in Acts 2, verse 42. Well, let's go to 41. Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What was being taught was doctrine. The Spirit of God would later move upon the hearts of people like Paul and some of these others to write this doctrine. That's our New Testament. We have that today written for us. And so just like they were daily feeding physically and spiritually together, they were feeding on the doctrine and so when Paul says to young Timothy, commit these things to faithful men, your marching order soldiers this. Understand doctrine. It's vital. Study the Word of God. Hide it in your heart so you won't sin against God. And then commit this to others who will also be faithful to tell it to others. You are all here today because someone loved you enough, cared enough to either raise you in the church tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Somewhere, some way, someone told you the good news. And they poured into you what they knew about God. That's doctrine. Now you can swim in the shallow end of the pool or you can go to the deep end. Pool's open. Dive in. Y'all remember growing up? I don't know, some of y'all didn't have to experience this. Some of y'all remember uh, growing up in the big pools and, and, and then the, the, the lifeguards would blow the whistle and they'd make like all the kids have to get out for a certain period of time? What was that about? It's like discrimination, man. I'd sit on the side of the pool. Mom would make me eat a bologna sandwich then. And then she'd tell me I couldn't go back in the water for 30 minutes. That's a lie. <laughs> I think that was mom's way of getting some rest on the sideline, right? Because now that I have four kids, trust me, those, when they were little babies, it's like, because my wife don't swim, so I was on pool duty every time. I just wanted a bologna sandwich then, but anyway. <laughs> Commit these things to faithful men so that they too can teach others. That's discipleship. Paul's marching orders to Timothy, his doctrine... Discipleship. Christian, soldier, here's your mission. Know the Word of God and share it with others. Invest your life in those around you. Discipleship. 
God has given us the great commission, the great mission to go into the world, to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them everything He says that I've taught you. See, again, you see this being played out. He's entrusting to faithful men to go and teach others. And He says, Lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. All authority in heaven has been given to Him. What are we afraid of? We're operating from the side of victory. We've already won. We've got the tools. We've got the promises. We cannot be defeated. We cannot be thwarted. Not because of who we are, but because we're strong in the grace of Christ. And so he says, pass this on. Share this with others. And that's what we're called to do. And then he says, endure hardship. We're to endure hardship. Notice, if you would, here, verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, suffering is a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. Faith, do me a favor. Do you have your cell phone on you? Can you grab mama's or mine, please? And if you can just set it right here, it would be awesome. Because if not, I'm going to keep these people here till tonight. Our clock is going the wrong way back there. It's, I thought it was counting down. I was like, man, i got 22 minutes left. <laughs> no, it's counting up today. So, I don't know. Carver, I love you, man. You just want to hear some more preaching today. I like that. <laughs> talk about suffering. <laughs> so, <laughs> Enduring hardship. My preachers have gotten wind up again. Here we go. It's going to be a while. Give me a piece of candy. <laughs> Suffering's a part of life. David Guzik said this, In the same way, if a believer is not willing to endure hardship, they will never accomplish much for Jesus Christ. They will give up as soon as something hard is required of them. They cannot fulfill Jesus' call. He said, well, that, that, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. Well, what did Christ say? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Did Christ have a tough road that he walked? Hebrews reminds us we've not yet suffered to the point that Christ did. Yeah, I know it stinks and it's lousy to go through what you go through and what I go through. And no, we're not in your shoes. We don't understand it. You're right. I don't understand that weight, but I know someone who does. And I know His promises extend to you. You're no exception to that rule. And I know that He still has the grace that is sufficient. Again, can God lie? Ask yourself the question, can God lie? No, He cannot. So when He says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, in your weakness, I'm made strong. Glorify God in the battle. What can man do to your flesh? Don't fear man who can destroy the flesh, but fear God who can destroy the soul in hell. Guys, we're on the winning side. We have to endure hardship. That's part of it. He says here, notice in verse 4, he gives the soldier some marching orders. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 
Interesting. You know, it was Elizabeth Howard Elliott. She was a student at Wheaton College. You know Elizabeth Elliott? Most of you know. Missionary Jim Elliott, uh, him and his wife. She was a, a student at Wheaton College. She'd scrutinize the boys on campus. Checking them out. That's modern language there, kids. She was checking out the boys on campus, and there was really one um, uh, that, that, that she kind of had her eye on. His name was Jim Elliott. He displayed a maturity, a godliness, something to look for, young ladies. Maturity and godliness, and that was attractive to her. When the school yearbooks were handed out, Elizabeth asked Jim to sign hers, hoping that if he was interested in her, he might indicate so in the yearbook. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all chuckling. You did the same thing, huh? Okay. Would you sign my yearbook? Well, guess what? Jim wrote into her yearbook. She got the book, ran back to her dorm room, eager, excited to see what Jim wrote. She opens up the yearbook and she reads 2 Timothy 2.4. No one engaged in warfare entangles themselves with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. <laughs> Probably not the message she was exactly wanting to hear, you know, not just a love letter. But it was a love letter. Ladies, if a guy writes you a love letter like that, you better hang on to that fella. Because he loves Jesus more than he loves anything. That's pretty awesome, and that's very rare. And Elizabeth Elliot would tell you she found a good one in Jim Elliot. You know, you look at this again, and you think about a soldier not entangling himself in warfare. And many of you have been soldiers and been in battle. You, you would know that, you know, again, staying focused on the mission is important. Staying focused is vital. We've got a scriptural example of this. Think of Uriah. Remember Uriah? Great example. David, remember? David, Bathsheba, Uriah's Bathsheba's husband. Yeah, David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Well, then she gets pregnant, and so he's like, oh no, what am I going to do? So he calls Uriah home from the battlefield, calls the soldier home from the battlefield, trying to get him to sleep with his wife. So then he'll think it's his child. Invites him in, a little dining dinner with the king, gets him drunk, tells him to go home. He doesn't. He won't. Because he thinks of his fellow soldiers who are still on the field, still at battle. That's where his heart was. He knew not to be entangled in the affairs of the world. He had a mission. There was a battle going on. This was what was important. And, and David tried. Even the second night got him drunk, but he still didn't go home. So then he finally sends him to the heat of the battle and gets him killed. You know, shortly after joining the Navy, the new recruit asked his officer for a pass so he could attend a wedding. The officer gave him the pass, but informed the young man he'd have to be back by 7 p.m. on Sunday. You don't understand, sir, said the recruit. I'm in the wedding. No, you don't understand, the officer shot back. You're in the Navy. <laughs> Christian, you don't understand. You're in the Lord's army. 
we're in the Lord's army. We must remember whose we are. We've been bought with a price. Audie Murphy was an unlikely hero, weighing in at only 112 pounds and with the face of a child. Audie was 18 years old when he went overseas during World War II. Nothing about him suggested a hero in the making. Yet when called upon by his commanding officers to do the duty of a soldier, Murphy held nothing back. By war's end, the quiet boy from Texas had fought with extraordinary bravery and saved the lives of countless fellow soldiers. He returned home to an adoring public, was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, and received at least 36 other medals, more than anyone else in U.S. history, all because nothing meant to him more as a soldier than the will of his commanding officer. Nothing should mean more to us than serving our commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why not be entangled? So we may please Him who enlisted us as a soldier. Nothing should mean more to you than serving your commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 37.4 says... Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. Soldier, we need a heart check. We're in a battle. The war is all around us. We've got the mission. We've got the means to overcome. Our strength is in the grace of Christ. Conclusion, serving the United States of America is a great privilege. But serving the kingdom of God is an even greater privilege. I want to share this quote from a pastor who who wrote similar uh, these thoughts. He said, serving the United States of America is a great privilege. We as free Americans owe a huge debt for blood spilled to obtain and keep our freedom. I love my country. I love the red, white, and blue. If the day ever comes where I have to take up arms to fight for her, I will. Even if I'm old, I'd fight for my country. As great as the United States is, it will not last forever. You see, I'm a citizen of another country. And guys, that's an eternal kingdom. And you and I are ambassadors of that kingdom to come. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And we are persuaded of them and embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. This is not our home. But there is a place that we do call home. I too desire a better country. This better country is a great kingdom with an almighty king. 
I'm glad I live in a democratic republic. But one day I'll live in a monarchy, a theocracy with Jesus as my king. I'm glad I live in a country where I can vote. But one day we will have a government with no more elections. Amen? Isaiah 9.6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It will no longer be thus saith the poles, but thus saith the Lord. I'm glad I have freedom of religion, but one day I will live in a country with a state religion. One nation under God will be a reality once and for all. Amen? Let me ask you this morning. Are you a soldier for Christ? Are you a soldier for the kingdom of God? That Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 passage went on to say, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Christian, that's your marching orders. We have a mission. Share the gospel. Expand the territory. Fight the good fight of faith. This is not our home, but we represent a country where Christ is king and He reigns and rules in our hearts. You know, Isaac Watts wrote a song that asked the question, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb. Look at these lyrics and let them meditate into your heart as, you, as we close this out. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own His cause or blush to speak His name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed? Through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by Thy Word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer Though they die, they see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. How do we apply this message? Simply put, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which we were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let's pray. Father, you have called us 
to yourself. And we recognize this is not our home. We are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. Lord, help us as good soldiers of the cross, followers of the Lamb, help us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to entrust to faithful men the doctrines of Christ, the teachings that we would make disciples of Christ, investing our lives into the souls of those around us. Lord, thank you for the blessings that you've poured out upon this church. May you continue to use this church to continue steadfast in teaching of the doctrines and continue steadfast in making disciples. And Lord, help us in the battle to endure the hardships. Regardless of what may or may not come, help us to realize that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Thank you for this group this morning, Lord. And I pray as we go from here this day that we will honor the veterans in our lives, that we will thank the military men and women who fight even now to defend freedom, that we can continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ here and around the world. And so, Lord, protect this country. Protect our men and women who are serving in military. And, Lord, we thank you for the amazing grace that you have poured out upon this great nation. Lord, help us as we look to the kingdom that comes. It rules and reigns in the heart of every believer, but one day it will be tangible and real and experienced throughout. And so until then, Lord, help us occupy until you come. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.